Hello and welcome to the Flying Frisbee podcast with me, Dominic Frisbee, and today's piece is called The Richest Man in History. And as always, you can read this article, you can listen to this article, or as many like to do, you can read and listen at the same time. I once presented a documentary for Italian TV which declared that Jacob Fugger, Fugger the Rich, was the richest man in history. He was a German who made his fortune in the 16th century through gold and copper mines, lending money to kings and popes, and above all, by selling absolution. And by the time he died, his net worth was equivalent to nearly 2.5% of European GDP, tantamount to about half a million, half a trillion dollars in today's money. But according to the internet, and we all know the internet is never wrong, there was someone even richer, a Malian gentleman, Mansa Musa IX, or King Musa IX. The BBC deems his wealth indescribable, placing him above the likes of Augustus Caesar, Andrew Carnegie, John D. Rockefeller, William the Conqueror and Colonel Gaddafi in its Wealth Hall of Fame. Fugger doesn't even get a look in. So who was this Mansa Musa IX? Musa was born in 1280 in Mali in West Africa. At some point in his early 20s, he became Mansa. The eighth Mansa, his brother, Abu Bakr, had wanted to go and explore the edge of the Atlantic Ocean and Musa stood in for him while he was gone. Bakr never came back and so did Musa become Mansa. Many of those out there with a dark view of human nature argue that Musa actually saw to it that Bakr never came back. The whole exploring the edge of the Atlantic Ocean thing was just a ruse. Who knows? Perhaps Bakr did make it to the edge of the Atlantic Ocean, also known as Brazil, found it to his liking, as many visitors there do, and decided to settle there. At the time, the Mali Empire extended through 2,000 miles of West Africa from what today is Niger in the east, through parts of Mali, Burkina Faso, Guinea, Senegal, Mauritania, Sierra Leone and Gambia. With land ownership came ownership of the natural resources that lay within, and that's how Musa came to be so rich. Salt and gold, mainly. West Africa has always had lots of gold. Even today, Ghana is Africa's second largest producer, beaten only by South Africa, whose premium deposit, the Witzvaterrand, the Witzvatersrand Basin, was only discovered in 1886 by an Australian mining prospector called George Harrison. Harrison, by the way, in what must be considered among the worst business deals in history, worse even than record label Decca passing on Harrison's namesake's band The Beatles 70 years later, sold his stake for £10. He was never heard of again, but his discovery would provide the world with over 20% of all the gold ever mined. And he sold it for £10. But until the Witz Basin, West Africa was top dog. Indeed, according to the British Museum, something like half of the old world's gold came from the Mali Empire. Musa sure did enjoy the trappings. He had tens of thousands of slaves to his name, and in 1324 set off with 12,000 of them, and a retinue of 38,000 others, including soldiers and entertainers, all of them dressed in gold, brocade, brocade and silk apparently, on a pilgrimage to Mecca. Like today's mega-billionaires, Musa liked attention. He didn't have rocket ships, Twitter or appearances on Saturday Night Live to get it, so Musa's means was this 
Hajj, a pilgrimage to Mecca, the spiritual home of Islam. The 2,800-mile round trip took him some two years. Each slave carried some four pounds of gold, while camels behind towed as many as 300 pounds of gold dust, so that the entire transit had some 18 tonnes of gold in tow. There were heralds who bore gold staves, and en route, every Friday, this devout servant of Islam had a mosque built, so the story goes. When he arrived in Cairo, he went shopping. He did the same in Medina and Mecca. The sudden dramatic rise in the supply of gold in these cities caused an inflationary collapse that took some 12 years to recover from. Ever the businessman, the devaluation of the gold price because of the sudden new supply was apparent to Musa. So on his way back from Cairo, Musa then borrowed from moneylenders all the gold he and his retinue could carry. Cynics out there argue that this strategy, causing inflation and then collapse, was a deliberate ploy to undermine the Cairo economy and relocate Africa's commercial centre out to Mali in the west, to Gao or Timbuktu. Over the course of his reign, Musa conquered some 24 cities and their surrounding districts, among them Timbuktu, which he took on his way back from Mecca. Once back in Mali, Musa started throwing about his gold there too. For £440 of gold, he hired the services of poet and architect Abu Isaac Silla to give Timbuktu a makeover. Universities and mocks were built, mocks, mosques were built, excuse me, and Timbuktu became something of a cultural centre, the Paris of the medieval world, according to some. One of Musa's buildings, the Sankore Madrasa, where math, science and languages and the Quran was taught, is still operating today in the same capacity. Musa died in 1337 at the ripe old age of 57, and the Mali Empire began to fall apart soon after. The inescapable laws of unsustainable spending applied as much then as they do today. Thank you very much for listening. And if you're interested in buying gold to protect yourself in these uncertain times, my recommended bullion dealer remains the Pure Bold, the Pure Gold Company, whether you're taking delivery or storing online. Uh, If you go there, tell them I sent you and there is a link in the article. And my show on gold at the Edinburgh Festival ends on August the 20th. So please come if you are in this neck of the woods. Until next time. Oh, and finally, if you like this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast app is. I gather that the ratings and reviews help a lot. um, And they're also very good for my ego. Thank you very much. Goodbye.